so much for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. Uh, I thank you that your, your favor has been upon us as a church. And you are showing us things and speaking into our lives as a church uh, in some very powerful ways right now. And I thank you for that, Lord God. And I thank you for what you're doing in creating a network of people uh, who have a passion for you and what you're going to do in the future. I pray, Father, that through this series, that you would help us all be ready for the changes coming in our world, and even the changes coming to your church as uh, we begin to look toward the home stretch before Jesus Christ comes again. We don't know how long that's going to be, Lord. It might be 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, it could be tomorrow uh, that uh, the tribulation starts. But, uh, but Lord, we, we're looking forward to that time uh, when you bring in that great harvest of souls. So help us, Lord, to prepare so we can be fully part of what you are doing to the glory and honor of Jesus. For we pray it all in Christ's name. And Father, I pray that your spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people today. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Pardon me. So, Romans chapter 12. Uh, Paul's writing here, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, and remember, whenever in the English Bible you read the word brothers, it is almost always referring to both men and women. Uh, that's the nature of the Greek, and that's why I say brothers and sisters. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I think this is one of the most powerful scriptures um, that speaks to us about how to prepare for change. Uh, whether it's change in your own life, uh, personally, uh, change in your circumstances, or change in, in your world like we're going through right now, uh, this verse is very, very powerful in speaking to us about how to prepare for this change, how to deal with this change, how to have the mental shift that we need to be ready when the change comes. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times um, we're not ready for what God brings. Uh, and it's not like we miss it, but you miss part of it if you're not ready. Sometimes you can miss all of what God's doing, but most often, I, I mean, I, I believe in the grace and goodness of God, uh, and so I don't think that God often gives us a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that if somehow we miss it, that God capriciously says, well, okay, well, you weren't paying attention, swat, swat, um, you know, you can't, you can't have what I promised. Now, obviously, there are scriptures there. Uh, you're looking at uh, Matthew, say, 25, uh, talking about the, the parable of the ten, uh, the ten virgins, uh, foolish virgins and, and the wise virgins, about their oil. Uh, and yes, they miss out, but they miss out because they should have been ready, because God had been very clear to them, or in, in the culture, it was very clear to them what they were supposed to do, 
and they didn't do it. They were lazy uh, and not paying attention, and, and that's the whole point of that. Uh, but we can't apply that across the board to every area of our lives. But we do need to be ready for the change that God is bringing. Uh, because if we're not ready, uh, then we can fail to see it when we really should. Think the Pharisees when Jesus came. Uh, and uh, we can fail to participate in it fully. Um, excuse me. Felt like something was in my eye. Uh, so, so this verse speaks a lot to us and gives us a, a whole lot of counsel in just two very, very short verses here. So Paul here, uh, I mean, he's been talking all about, you know, the, the theological basis for our life in Christ, things like there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's just finished talking about the role of Israel uh, and how God is going to work in, in that throughout all history. Uh, but how people, the people of Israel aren't saved apart from Christ. Uh, they need Christ like everybody else. Uh, and he set all of this up, and he says, okay, therefore, in light of all of this stuff that I've told you, in light of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, in light of the forgiveness of sins that we have, in light of all of this, I'm making an appeal to you. you know, I'm urging you to pay attention to this. He says, be careful, pay attention to this. Um, by the, the mercies of God, let me make sure that I don't miss it. Um, yep. By the mercies of God. Now the appeal is by the mercies of God. It's important here to understand that the appeal, everything we do is based on God's grace and mercy. So if you mess it up, God is merciful. If you mess it up, God is still gracious toward you. And that's why Paul can make this appeal. He's not appealing out of some legalistic sense. He's not appealing uh, on the basis of, well, you, you, know, you should you know, stand up straight and, uh, and get in line, otherwise God's going to smite you. He's appealing by the mercies of God, reminding them that God's mercies are with them. Uh, many of them would have known the scripture, God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That's the basis of the appeal knowing that we live by the mercies of God. So by the mercies of God, I am appealing to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your spiritual service to the Lord. So what are we to do? We are to present our bodies. Now, why your body? Why present your body? Because if you present your body, everything else goes with it. You know, if, if, if my body is in Pittsburgh, in the States, my mind is in Pittsburgh as well. My spirit is in Pittsburgh. You know, if my body is in, 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 uh, in Scotland, where I would like my body to be right now, uh, or maybe not right now, maybe in August when it's a little bit warmer and, and nicer there and all the other tourists are too afraid to go up, uh, maybe then, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind to have my body in Scotland, but if my body's in Scotland, my mind is there, my spirit there. So, so it's, we're offering our bodies because our bodies involve everything we are and everything we have. You know, if, I, if I'm offering my body, my clothes are going to go with my body. You know, it's not like I'm going to say, hey, God, okay, you can have my body, but you can't have my clothes. You know, it, it's, it's symbolic of who we are, everything we are, 
mind, uh, you know, our soul, our spirit, our body, our, our resources, our possessions, everything we are is wrapped up in this idea of presenting our bodies. And we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Uh, in other words, we are giving ourselves to the Lord. Now, the Lord owns us. Jesus bought us with a price, the price of his blood. But there is this dynamic where even though he owns us, even though we belong to him, there is still this dynamic of the love relationship with God, with Jesus, where we say, okay, God, you know, I belong to you. I, I belong to you. Even though you own me, uh, I belong to you. It's, it's reminiscent of uh, a marriage kind of relationship with a man and the woman. You know, even though they belong together, even though they belong to one another, they still sacrifice for one another. They still serve one another. They still live for one another. And it's that same kind of idea. So we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Uh, it's not about dying. It's about living for the Lord. Uh, I, I really love, you know, I love Star Trek. And there was this Star Trek series called Deep Space Nine back in the 1990s. Uh, which I found one of the most interesting Star Trek series because it dealt with a lot of spiritual issues. And uh, the space station was in, in, uh, near this planet, and the planet had just come out of a brutal occupation. Uh, and uh, one of the heroes of the resistance who had, been who had vanished for a very long time, he suddenly shows back up and he's, he's welcomed as a hero, and uh, a lot of other things happen, and there are people trying to kill him, and there's a bit of a controversy, and so he's kind of fleeing and everything, uh, and uh, the captain of Deep Space Nine, they have an encounter, and, and the captain says some, something like, you know, what, what are you doing? This, this guy's like, he's not sure if he wants to run away, uh, if he wants to go and just offer his life or whatever. And, uh, and the man says to the captain, he says, well, I am willing to die for my people. And the captain looks at him and says, yes, but are you willing to live for your people? Now, I talk to a lot of parents. Uh, and invariably, I, I get almost every parent that I've ever talked to would say to me, I am willing to die for my kids. But my question is, are you willing to live for your kids? Are you willing to give yourself for the benefit of your kids, even if it's not for your own benefit? That's what God's talking about when he's talking about a living sacrifice. We are to present everything we are, uh, you know, body, soul, spirit, to God as a living sacrifice, saying, God, I am willing to live for you. I am willing to live for you. And we can do that. We need to be holy and pleasing to God. So what does that mean? It means that you have to go through Jesus. So you're not presenting yourself as a living sacrifice just because you're worthy to be a living sacrifice. We are holy and pleasing to God because of what Jesus has done for us. So when we come into faith with Jesus Christ, we're made sons of God. We are made holy. We're made blameless before him. And we become, God's, we become children who please the Lord. So it's something that's a natural outgrowth of who we are. So we present our bodies uh, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord, which happens uh, through Jesus Christ, in relationship with Jesus Christ, and only by Jesus Christ. 
And this presentation of ourselves as a living sacrifice to our Father in heaven through Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead for us, that becomes our spiritual worship or our spiritual service to God. In other words, that's what God wants us to do. Uh, uh, in in uh, Jesus in, in John chapter 4, he says, you know, those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, and this is an echo of that kind of idea. You know, this is a spiritual act of worship uh, that's very, very important. It's not about whether you lift your hands. It's not about how loud you sing. It's not about even if you like to sing. I know Christians who don't like to sing. Uh, and that's not what worship, singing is not about worship. I mean, you can sing Christian songs and, you know, be demonized, be, be, be lost, be destined for hell. Uh, that's not what worship is. Giving your money is not what worship is all about. Worship is surrendering yourself, offering yourself freely and fully to the Lord through Jesus Christ. And you can do that through your work. You can do that through your giving. You can do that through listening to a, a talk like this. You can do that through prayers. You can do that through singing. Um, but the key thing here is that Paul is saying, by the mercies of God, everybody men and women, brothers, brothers and sisters, need to offer themselves, their bodies, as living sacrifices, as our spiritual act of worship. Now, this is foundational. You cannot prepare for change unless you do this. And this is an ongoing process for us. It's not like uh, the guy who, you know, the couple who was married for 50 years and the woman was crying on their 50th anniversary and the husband says, why are you crying? And she says, well, you never tell me you love me. And the husband said, listen, I told you I loved you 50 years ago. I'll let you know if I change my mind. You know, it's not that kind of dynamic. It's an everyday kind of thing that we need to do. Say, God, I'm offering myself to you again. I'm presenting myself to you, my body, Everything that I am, everything I have, everything that makes up me, I'm giving to you as a living sacrifice, knowing that you've made me holy through Jesus and that I can be pleasing through you through Jesus and that your mercies are there for me every single day. So no matter how badly I mess things up, you're there. And so I give myself to you. And this is my service to you. This is my worship to you. And it's the heart of all worship and the heart of all service to God. If you feed the poor, but you've not really given yourself as a living sacrifice, it, it really doesn't amount to much. It's nice that you do it. It's nice that you do it. God's pleased with that, but it's not the basis of what really makes God happy, what God really desires from us. And that's why Paul appeals to us. He urges us to do this. And that's why it's absolutely foundational to prepare for change. You cannot prepare for any change in your life, whether it's marriage, uh, whether it's a new job, uh, whether it's what God is doing globally, whether what God's going to do in the church. Uh, you cannot prepare, really prepare for change as a Christian without doing this. It's the foundational thing. And then Paul goes on. Remembering this foundation, Paul goes on and he says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. 
You know, a real problem in Christianity today is that a lot of people are conformed to the world. I speak to a lot of Christians <clears throat> that fall into conformity to the world, uh, dressing like the world wants them to dress, the kind of music that the world wants them to like, uh, so on and so on. And Paul says, don't conform to the world. Don't conform to the values in the world. Don't conform to the spiritual forces operating in the world. Don't conform to the, the sinfulness in the world. Don't conform to the world. That's what he means here. Now, herein lies the problem. Almost every single Christian that I've met who really loves Jesus and wants to follow the Lord, almost every single Christian I've met will struggle with the world. I mean, I struggled with the world. I still do from time to time. It's something we all do. But here's the key. So many Christians fail to resist conforming to the world. In other words, so many Christians conform to the world even though they don't want to. Why? It's because most of the time they have not really offered their bodies as living sacrifices. If we present everything we are and everything we have to God as a living sacrifice, then it is very difficult to conform to the world. And if you don't present yourself, your body, everything you are, as a living sacrifice, uh, then almost always the world will force you to conform to it. Time after time after time. Uh, and it, it is one of the key, the key things. And so if we are conforming to the world, we can't prepare for change. I don't know if I've shared this in another sermon. I've, sh I've shared this with a ton of people. Uh, many of you might have heard of a guy named Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Wayne Gretzky uh, was one of the greatest ice hockey players of all time. And Gretzky had this amazing talent that no matter where the hockey puck was in the rink, uh, he, would, he would be right on it. Uh, and, you know, people were just astounded by this. And, and so one day somebody asked him, you know, how is it, Wayne, that you're always, you know, it, it seems like uh, you're always there right at the right time to get that puck. And he says, I don't skate where the puck is. I skate where the puck is going to be. You know, so he wasn't looking for where the puck was. He was looking to where the puck was going and he would skate there. And that was the, the secret. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't know, it was actually his dad that first told him that. His dad, who was coaching him when he was a kid, said, Wayne, always skate to where the puck is going to be, not where the puck is at. Now, that's my desire right now. Uh, I am praying that as a church and as a people, we will skate in this time of change, of transition in our world, that God will give us the grace to skate where the puck is going to be, where the change is going to happen. Now, the problem is when you conform to the world, the world is always behind the curve. The world is never where the puck is going to be. The world is where the puck is. And so if you conform to the world, you will not prepare for change. And you'll be stuck where the world is. And so that's why I'm just seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, 
What, what's happening? Where's the puck going to be? Where's the change going to happen? I want to go there. So we, we must not conform to the world, but we need to be transformed. I think, uh, let me get how the text actually says this here. Um, do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So we're not going to conform to the world, but we're going to allow God to transform us. And how do we get transformed is allowing God to renew our minds, allowing the Holy Spirit to work inside of us to challenge our thinking, uh, to open up the scriptures for us in new ways. Uh, that's why we, we worship. That's why we do Bible study. That's why we do Bible reading. We're praying. We're doing all of this so that God could transform us by renewing our mind uh, that thinking apparatus that we have, that he can renew our mind in Jesus Christ so that we're not looking always to where things are, we're looking to where things are going to be. We're not always looking to what we've lost, but we're looking toward what we might gain. We're not looking toward how things have changed and, and how the older days were better, but we're looking toward the promises of the new days in God. And so we allow God to transform our minds. You know, and notice he says, be transformed, be transformed. We don't transform ourselves. God has to transform us, and he does it by renewing our mind. God has to transform us, and he does it by renewing our mind. And so we're cooperating with God. We're cooperating with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing uh, to renew our minds that by testing, by putting it to the test, by giving a lot of thought, by trying it out, by testing, we might discern what the will of God is, God's good, pleasant, and perfect will. Or God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's see how it's said here in this text. Um, uh, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. <clears throat> And acceptable being not acceptable to God, but acceptable to you. So here's the promise. That remembering the foundation of offering our bodies as living sacrifices, once we do that, we can refuse to be conformed to the world. We can cooperate with God's transformation, renewing of our minds, transforming us by the renewing of our minds. And by the way, it doesn't, depend, it doesn't matter how old you are. God can still renew your mind. Uh, in these last few weeks, you know, I've been praying and seeking the Lord for renewing my mind, and I think He has been doing that uh, in a number of ways, and, and I'm rather excited about that. But, you know, the, the key for all of this then is that we can test and discern what God's will is. A lot of Christians, they're, they're saying, I want to know what God's will is. I want to know what God's will is for my life. I want to know what God wants me to do. Sometimes we say, I want to know what job God wants me to have. Uh, I, I want to know if God wants me to get married and, and to whom God might want me to get married. I, I want to know what I should do with my life, uh, how I should spend my money. I mean, there's any number of things that we're seeking the Lord for. But here is the important thing. You will never really be able to discern and test the will of God unless you've offered your body as a living sacrifice, you've refused to be conformed to the world, and you've allowed God to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And you won't be prepared for the change that God is going to bring 
And, and knowing God's will in the midst of this change, you can't do that unless you've presented your body as a living sacrifice, you're refusing to be conformed to the world, and you're cooperating with God's work of transforming you by the renewing of your mind. And that's where we learn the will of God. That's where we learn what God wants us to do. That's where we, we discern. And a lot of times we don't get that. A lot of times we don't get there. Um, I, I'm thinking, you know, I, I've heard over the years, I've talked to any number of guys and gals who want to start a church. Uh, any number of them who want to plant a church. And the problem is that for many of them, they, they, they never do it or they never discern it. And the reason is this, because they've not really offered themselves as living sacrifices to the Lord and they've not refused to conform to the world. So you get a lot of guys who say, yeah, I want to plant a church and I want it to become like Hillsong. I want to plant a church and I want it to become really big and I want to be famous and I want to get a lot of money. And that's, that's why I want to plant a church. And, and yeah, I want people to get saved too. You see, the problem there is they've fully conformed to the world and what they want to do. And they never fully discern the will of the Lord because they've not presented their bodies as living sacrifices, they've not refused to be conformed to the world, and they've not cooperated with God's transformation, renewing of their mind. And if you don't do that, you can't discern the will of God. And here's the kicker. A lot of people have a secret fear. A lot of Christians have a secret fear. The secret fear is this. If I really do God's will, I'm not going to like it. If I do God's will, I might have to suffer like Pastor Rod has suffered. If I do God's will, maybe God is going to make me marry somebody ugly. You know, if I do God's will, maybe it's not going to be something that I really like. Here's the promise of Paul. We test and discern God's will, and God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. His will for your life is always good. Even though I've gone through struggles in my life and times of suffering, I look back on those now. I don't want to go back through them. I don't want to do them again. But I can also say they were all good. They were all good for me. Uh, and God's will is pleasing. It's acceptable. It's something that I like. Now, again, there's a lot of things in my life that I haven't liked. But you know what? I like myself a lot better today than I liked myself 20 years ago. I like the man who I am today much better than I like the man who I was 20 years ago. Now, how does that happen? It happened because I was following God's will, not because I was doing everything exactly like I wanted to do. So the pleasing part of it, it doesn't mean everything you're going through is pleasing, but the outcomes are pleasing. Uh, it's like something else that I have no experience with whatsoever. Exercise. Now, I've talked with a lot of people who like to run. I think they're crazy people. Uh, you know, just I, I just don't understand it. 
It hurts. You know, I've tried to run and it's not, it's not, I don't like it, you know, but you know, of all the people I've talked to, almost everybody I've talked to said when they first start running, they don't like it. But by the end, they're enjoying it. Now, hopefully it's something that I will never discover personally. That's my prayer. Uh, but I, will, I believe it because they've told me. And that's the way it is with God's will. There's some parts of it that we don't like, but the parts that we don't like are parts that get us to the part where we do like it. So God's will is good, is pleasing, and it's perfect. In other words, it's complete for us, and it's perfectly suited to us. Do you know, God's will for me is not the same thing as God's will for any other human being. Because God has perfectly tailored his will to fit who I am. That's why God didn't call me to run marathons. He perfectly tailored his will. I, I tell you, I better stop this because God's going to have, he's going to tell me to start running. Please, <laughs> Lord, don't. Please, Lord. Uh, but you get what I'm saying. But you know what? The only time that we'll ever get to that place is if we've presented our bodies as living sacrifices, we've refused to be conformed to the world, and these things build on each other, we refuse to be conformed to the world, we then uh, cooperate with God to be transformed by renewing our minds, and then we discern and test what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will for us. And that's a powerful way that we prepare for change. I don't know what the change is going to be like. I don't know all the contours of it. I'm starting to get some ideas, but, you know, God's not going to tell me the whole picture. He never does. He wants us to trust him. Uh, but I can tell you that if we follow Paul's advice in this passage, follow his instructions, as the change comes, we'll be ready for it and we'll experience the blessing of it. Father God, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for everything you do in and through us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to flow in these things, to present our bodies as living sacrifices, to resist conform, conform, conformity to the world, to allow ourselves to be transformed in the renewing of our mind, and then to test and discern what your will is that's good, pleasing, and perfect. We love you and praise you, and thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we go before the, the Lord, uh, go back into a time of prayer and worship, uh, we'll have a song here.